Thanks to Cry Malt, this is Beer as a Conversation. I'm Matt Kirkegaard. This is part three and the final part of our conversation with Steve Jeffers and Guy Greenstone, founders of the local tap house, Gabs, and the Hottest 100. We start this episode finishing off finding out about the growth of Gabs from the local tap house to the Royal Exhibition Building and the challenges that they incurred along the way. We then look about the decision to open the Stomping Ground Brewery and their key staff, Asher Hall and Matt Marinich, amongst any others. It's really great to hear them talk with such pride and confidence in their staff. With their business relationship being so long and involved, I also ask these two fairly different personalities how they work together successfully and what they've learned in their time together about getting on and also what's next for the pair. It's a great finish to this conversation series with Steve and Guy. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Steve Jeffers and uh, Guy Greenstone. Just before we move off from Gabs, talk us a, a little bit. We were talking off mic about we're sitting in the tap house back in the day when Gabs, you had a line out the door down the street. What? Who, who said to who, we need to be bigger than this? I, I don't know. I think it was a shared view is that from a marketing and kind of ideas person, I was feeling constrained is that I... The, the, wall, the four walls of this place weren't big enough for the ideas that we had. And it, happened, it had been going on for a few months, as I've been saying a guy, because we'd run these lots of events and the spectaculars were the kind of tentpole events of our year, different festivals with different themes. And I kind of said, we've got to do, let's do something bigger. But it's got to be different. It can't be like everything else. And, uh, and when we had Gabs here in, in the Tap House Darlow, um, the Darlow Tap House, sorry, it was... Uh, it was it was something really special. Guy and I used to take it in turns to go to the Tap House uh, events uh, here. So I was actually in the Sydney Tap House and Guy was down here and I was phoning him and sending him photographs. There was a queue probably 100 metres long to get into the Tap House. Uh, and there. same here. And same here. And and there were the who's who, are, it was the who's who are brewing and beer fans and the general public. And it was just, there was a, there was a really the great vibe. And and like if everybody was so excited, everyone was kind of sitting on the edge of their seat waiting to find out what, you know, the other brewer had done and taste all these beers. And I remember like um, Brad Rogers and Jamie Cook were both here and, you know. Um, Red Hill guys. The Red Hill and, guys um, and Tom Luckily we've broken this into three episodes so we don't go past the cook limit. Just uh, <laughs> <while we're> <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just, there was such a great vibe and it, as we were experiencing it, it was fairly evident to, to, to me and I, and I was sending a text to Guy saying, maybe this is the idea. And, and sure enough, that's in the weeks, days and weeks afterwards, we kind of went, fuck it, let's just do it. But I'll never forget the phone call I got from Steve. So um, I was, uh, and this is, this is typical of, um, of our relationship and, and, and the years uh, that have gone by. So we, we'd had this conversation that, you know, um, we have to. We, we've outgrown the local tap house for this particular event. We knew it had resonated. We were looking for something, and this we knew was it because it was just like it felt like the beginning of something. And um, and then you know, like it, 
wouldn't have been more than a few days that have, that would have passed since this conversation when Steve calls me up and he's super excited and he goes, so I've had a conversation with the uh, Royal Exhibition Building and uh, we can get it and it's going to cost this much and we can have it on how such and such a date. You've, you've, you've already <laughs> said how much you lost. How much did it cost to book oh, it Oh, back then, I think, I mean, I think, I think it was like something like 80K, yeah. $80, maybe maybe not day. quite, maybe 60, maybe somewhere between 60 and 80K. Um, but uh, and he, but what I loved about it is the fact that it wasn't just a, hey, what about here? It's like, what about here? And I've called them and they're available <laughs> on this date and this is how much it's going to cost. And I've got a pencil holder. And I've already got a pencil holder. <laughs> so this is, this is how, how things happen uh, in, our, in our group. But it hasn't all been spectacular success. You've talked about the bottle shop um, next door, um, the, the tap house provisions. You've also had the uh, Sydney Tap House, which w- I wouldn't say it was like a, not a success, but you divested yourselves of that. It, it, I remember speaking to you probably five years ago, looking at when you're going to move into Brisbane, and you got as far as Sydney, you never moved into Brisbane. Talk to me about the Tap House expansion side of things. Coming back to what our kind of core reason for being was just to share our enthusiasm and love for beer with as many people as possible. And guys from Sydney, guy was from Sydney, is from Sydney, and uh, we had friends up there. And I think one day, one of them said, "Listen, this place is available down in Darlinghurst," and we we saw an opportunity and and we took it. And and we opened uh, eight, almost twelve months to the day from when we opened here. So it happened relatively. Oh, is that quick? Okay. Yeah, it happened See, really it's, it's funny quickly. how that all blended yeah. in. Yeah. And a year later. it was uh, it was an immediate it was an immediate success. We really kind of uh, were within few weeks we had queues out the door and people seemed to really enjoy what, what we were doing. It was also coming off the back of uh, Sydney being a very, very stale hospitality there market. Go, yeah. And there was, no, there was nowhere to go. Everything had been homogenised. It was like stainless steel and like polished timber everywhere, pokies. So we were kind of brought a little bit of a slice of Melbourne to Sydney that hadn't really been done before. And I mean, since then, there's been amazing places that have opened up all through Sydney and there's really exciting places. But at the time, it was a bit of a game changer again. And um, yeah, and so it was, it was, it was, it was something that, um, and interestingly, from, on an international um, scale and also the fact that, um, you know, sometimes Australia can be a little bit Sydney-centric because it is a big, glamorous city. Um, we probably got more accolades and more awards for the sydney venue than we did even for the melbourne venue which sometimes much to our um you know if you, if you had to be true and and hand on heart we kind of felt that it was a bit undeserved we kind of felt that sometimes of the two mel the, the melbourne venue we felt of the two was probably more deserving um the venue for about two or three years was a cracking success and then we just got a bit tired of travelling up there. That's that's the we truth of the matter. We had we had children, and we just didn't want to travel up there. And as a result, it didn't have the attention to detail that Melbourne enjoyed, St Kilda enjoyed. And we struggled with managers like Justin. We were so fortunate. Justin was the manager from me. For, Justin for, Joyner, Justin Joyner, who's, who's now one of our partners at Stomping Ground. He was he was the manager for eight years or so. And from the very first day right to when we asked him to join us at Stomping Ground. And whereas in Sydney, God, we probably went through 10 managers in that time. So that kind of instability added stress to our lives. Obviously, the travel we over We felt time. we were only one phone call away from a chef resigning and us like going, oh, my God, what do we do now? So it was tough. Yeah, and, and so it, it was – I think I, I was living in New York five or six years ago. So what's that, five years after it opened? And I felt 
I said to Guy, I think it might be time to 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 move on and, and let's focus on what we what's in our home patch and our neighbourhood. Um, we kept it for a few more years, and I'm just so pleased that the, the boys up there have have taken it over. They've because they live there, they've got this new energy, and I, I just think it's absolutely fantastic what they we've done. We we did it because Stomping Ground has uh, has become such a beast that we're trying to manage as best we can here. And we needed but, to focus. Our and we needed to here. focus. But uh, you know, we're really really proud of what we were able to do uh, with the Tap House in Sydney, and and, and it was. It was a bit of a pioneer amongst venues up there, and um, I think the guys have done a remarkable job, and I think they're they're as relevant now as, as we ever were. Yeah, and they're great guys, and, and um, we're you know we were really thrilled to be able to pass the baton on to people who really cared, and um, and weren't going to sell out and make it massively commercial, but really you know fo- keep keep the beer focus focus on independent beer. So throughout this ten year journey, at what point did you decide? You know, selling other people's beer is fine. We want to own a brewery. It was something that actually came up years and years earlier. Like in the very early days, people used to ask us, why don't you do your own thing? And we kind of thought, well, why would we do something when there's so many other people doing great beer and we could just sell the best of the best? And then over time, I think we kind of, um, and all the experience that we gained, we kind of changed our mind. And then, um, and then uh, Steve uh, went over to, uh, to New York and uh, while he was there, living over there while I was working hard and he was just having a party, um, you know, the bastard. And no, anyway, all good. Um, so I've forgiven him. Supporting his wife's acting career? Uh, supporting it? his wife's, yeah, musical theatre career. Um, he was also surreptitiously doing some, um, uh, some research on... Uh, just to make it a tax deduction. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was. Does that mean you can I don't know. Maybe I retrospectively um, claim all your rent? Uh, 15, 15 months in New York, maybe. It, but it was... It, it was during that time that we were, I guess it was at a turning point. We, as I said, we'd found, with Gabs had started and we um, had, was probably two or three years old at that point. The Tap House was five or six years old. Guy was, was fantastic in, in supporting Cal, Cal and my wife and I to, uh, to go to New York. And, but I was definitely there. I had an itch to do something more that was beyond the four walls of this venue. Stomp, uh, the Gabs had was fantastic but in those days it was just two two weekends a year and I kind of wanted to do something for us that was um that was enduring I wanted to test our own ideas on a daily basis not not for two weekends a year and I remember saying ring guy one day and saying I think we should do not only our own beers I think we should play to our strengths of hospitality and I there were places I'd seen in America that were, were doing that well and I thought that we could do that as well if not better than them so I started looking at venues um, or, or empty buildings online while I was in the last few months of my time in New York, and um, and then then we came back and we offered the opportunity. I came back. We offered the opportunity to, to Justin, who had done more than his time uh, in service. He, he'd actually to tried to leave us. us a couple of times, and every time I said, "No, you can't leave. I promise. There's something in it for you if you just hang around." I said. <laughs> We love you. We don't want you to go, and uh, we we will uh, you know find we'll, the opportunity. We'll find make opportunity. we'll make it work. And he um, he trusted us, um, and uh, and we uh, made good on that trust, and and brought him in uh, to the fold, and and uh, you know he deserved it because he was part of all our decision making right from the very get go. I mean, he was with us from the beginning, so it was kind of like in a de facto kind of way he was a third partner from the start. So it only kind of felt right that. He became formally a partner. The um, third leg. The third. The third, the third foot. Leg. The third. The third foot. Yeah, yeah. 
but I think I think back in 2000 before we opened the tap house is I had spending time in America and I know that it's not the be all and end all over there but it definitely is is a strong influence and in where we we have are traveling in in the Australian beer scene and by spending when I was living over there in 2000 I felt like I was in hindsight I was kind of looking into the future of what Australian the beer scene could be here and conversely, or later in in when I was living in New York, I got that again, and I I still really think that um, the model in Australia for sustainable brewery uh, breweries and is is that hospitality idea of the brew pub and don't give too much away. Venues. Well, I think everyone's copping, <laughs> copping onto it now, but it, it felt that I we were able to do something before it had really caught on over here. So we op- we opened the venue. But it before that, don't forget about our research trip, you, me, and Asher. Yeah, well, we, Asher was brewing at Illawarra Brewing at that time. Uh, so how did you get on to Asher? So to talk us through your, we your not, head brewer. Well, obviously, we're not brewers, and um, we have other skills, but we really wanted – if we were going to do this, we wanted to, to brew beers that deserve to be um, – we wanted to brew great beers, and we wanted them to be beers that, if they were on the tap house, they deserve to be there. And so we obviously were fortunate enough to know many of the best brewers in Australia and we, we kind of the put the word out. We put the word out and we said, who are the best brewers who are unattached and, and don't own brewers? And a few names, a few names uh, came up repeatedly, one of whom was Asher. And we had met him prior uh, at some various events. At our and uh, Brewers and Chewers, he'd, he'd been a guest. Yeah. And we put the word out and we, I, just, I just sent him a text saying, listen, if, do you know of anyone? And uh, he said... I might be interested in moving down, and and so well, we, we Richard Richard Watkins, who um, is a really good friend and um, an amazing brewer, and probably one of the best brewers, in, still in my opinion in Australia um, among a, a select few, um, was a massive fan of his, and was a little bit of a mentor of his. Like Asher would call him up and ask him about things. So when we put the word out, and, and uh, Richard said, "Listen, uh, this guy's you know this guy's a real get." Um, it kind of gave us the uh, the impetus to go after this bloke, and he was the right kind of cultural fit, and he was also the right age. Um, which, you know, not that we're ageist, but he kind of ticked a lot of lot of boxes. And um, and then we thought, sort of thought, listen, what we'll do is we'll go and do this research trip, and we went to the US, and we went right up and down the west coast, and then we went um, inland from there. But um, one of the things that we were doing was also kind of sussing him out a little bit, and we thought if we can travel with him. And him us. And him us. Then we can probably work with him. So um, it worked really well and he was great. And he had a very similar philosophy to us on drinkability and uh, we didn't want to go too out there. So he had a lot in common with the kind of thing that we wanted to do and he kind of really got it. So you tapped uh, Steve on the knee before and said, like like, like an old married couple, you, you <laughs> tapped Steve on the knee before and said, tell us a story about the, uh, the, the, the trip that you... Th- three guys did there. I take it there's a bit more stories than you just recounted? <laughs> no, no, not really. Like, it was just... It, we had a lot of fun. And as Guy said, we just realised that we want to make great beers. We didn't want to go too far out there. There's there's other breweries who do that well and they're passionate about that. As I said earlier, Matt, we there's so many beer styles that aren't being done in Australia and aren't locally produced that we wanted to also showcase as well. And Asher believed that that was good. So while we produced in two years 120 or so beers, different beers, um, it's really important for us to have a balance of, of showcasing great beer styles. We're, it's a, we're, we're somewhat traditionalists, but we do like to have a lot of fun. And so we, we give um, the brewing team and Asher some latitude to be able to brew 
in some ways, whatever they want. We do have some criteria, as we said earlier, about the spectrum of we want easy drinking beers right through to, to the more complex, and, and Asher delivers in spades there. He's, we haven't for a minute uh, second-guessed our choice of brewer. He's, he's an absolute legend, and um, he's now a small owner of the business, and we're really proud of that. And we hope he's uh, he's with us for a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, even the ones that are more complex, as Steve was saying, and it's always been about the breadth and the, um, you know, the variety. Um, drinkability is a really important part of it. So, so beers that you can have more than one of, and obviously that's quite a subjective thing. But um, Asher, one of the things that really impressed us about Asher from the very get go was his um, his view on making beers really drinkable irrespective of what style they were he wanted to make them approachable and and drinkable and not so crazy that it was like forget about it drinkability was a massive part of it so he's got some real skill in terms of balance i've never seen anyone more committed than this guy he's unbelievable and sometimes to his detriment he needs to sometimes delegate a little bit more um but he is the most he's a country boy He's the hardest working bloke you'll ever meet and he never complains and he is, but he gets it and he just, he's got a passion for the product. He's got a really amazing palate. He's got um, some real skills that he's picked up along the way in a relatively short period of time. Like he's only been brewing probably for seven or eight years, but he's amazing. And uh, he, uh, he, he's an engineer, an environmental engineer. He's got um, he's got some incredible skills, and we're very lucky that we um, that we managed to nab him. There was kind of two peas in a pod, and Matt Marinich was the other. Like uh, we we lucked out twice. Lightning struck twice for us. We got an incredible brewer who was able to deliver beers to the standard that we wanted to produce. And then in the beer hall, you know, we built a great beer hall that I'm really proud of. We're proud of, but. Um, we needed someone who could execute on a day-to-day basis and Ash, Justin was kind of work moving into kind of other areas of the business that interested him. But uh, we, Matt had been on our radar for many years. We tried to nab him for the tap house. Um, in when, Darlinghurst. In, in one of those changeover of managers that Steve was uh, alluding to earlier, we kind of, I, I'd, I'd had my eye on him for ages. I'd called him up, say, hey, what about moving to Sydney? And and uh, he was close, but um, but then we just kept in kind of touch, and then finally we kind of asked him and lured him over. And we flew him over uh, to Melbourne. We met him, spoke about what we wanted to do with Stomping Ground, and and he moved his whole family. His two children and his wife came over here, and uh, two and a half years ago. And he, in I, like we've been around the traps for a while. He is he is exceptional. He really is um, next level, and he is uh, a big part of why Stomping Ground has achieved whatever it's achieved. Uh, Matt's been a big part of it. And 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 the train his his obviously he's very knowledgeable, but he has imparted his curiosity about beer, his uh, interest in learning about beer th- permeates from him all the way down to the business. And uh, I I've always wanted to, we've Cicerona's become part of our business and uh, I met, we met Ray Daniels probably seven or eight years ago. Cicerone started the same year that the Tap House started, and I reached out to Ray Daniels, the founder, way back then. But in recent years, we've, um, we've really felt that it's provided some really strong structure to our, to our business and our, our staff. But I, I kind of just in, introduced it in, in 
the biggest sense and then Matt's just executed. It wouldn't have been – we wouldn't be – our staff wouldn't be where they are without Matt. So between he and Asher, um, we've just kind of got the, the dream team really and we're very, very lucky and that's kind of been a big part of where we are right now. So just bringing this whole chat to an end, I'm going to throw a couple of uh, – like this is the fast money section. <laughs> What's the smartest thing that you two have ever done? Hide better people than we are. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and, and, and I think it would be remiss of us not to mention a couple of other key people. Um, like Cassie is um, is my the, she started off as a as a bartender here. She rose up to an assistant manager, and then um, and then she was the very first rep I had on the road, um, starting up one day a week on her bicycle when it was raining. And um, and now um, you know now she's been with us from the absolute get go. She's also a, um, a um, cicerone. She's going for an advanced cicerone early next year, which we're helping her do. And uh, she's been a, an integral part of what we've done, and we're really really proud of her. She's an amazing um, person, and and um, and really kind of in, in a lot of ways personifies what we're all about. But I definitely um, agree with um, maybe not better. Like I, I kind of it, they are better in lots of ways, but complementary to what we do best like we've all got our own kind of things that we do pretty well but the likes of asher cassie like there's a whole rake of them i don't want to name a whole bunch of names because i'll leave someone out but i think we've created a culture in the business that for 10 years has uh excited those people who want to pursue a a career in brewing or hospitality or or whatever we choose or events and um i think most people really I, sp- I think most people in our in our in our team really enjoy what they're doing, uh, the opportunities we afford them, the training we afford them, and uh, th- that makes us kind of we we're, we're rise. You know, it's oh, what's that expression? You know, all time. Oh uh, yeah, all rising tide. Rising lifts tide. All is that lifts is that everyone contributes to our success um, so far? And um, we learn. I learn from my team every freaking day as to how I should be doing things differently. Um, so it's 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 a there's a it's a great place to work. We're really really um, lucky. What's the biggest mistake you've made? I don't, listen, everything that we've fucked up has has, has led, has, us, to has led us to a better place. Like if we hadn't made those mistakes, um, that's let's say sometimes I wish I wish I can offer advice to other people to maybe save them a lot of money and and give them advice that doesn't cost them like it cost us. But you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna try new things and try and be bold and be creative and take Nothing's risks. Nothing's always going to um, not you, everything's going to work. Not everything's going to work. And you made the comment before, I think, off, off mic about how if, if you try enough things, something will work. We obviously try to have more hits than misses, um, but the misses make the, the hits sweeter. And um, I think that, uh, yeah, I, there's nothing that I... But the biggest mistake we ever made, um, I'll tell you, um, from a tap house point of view, was thinking that we could be bottle shop retailers uh, when clearly our strengths are, are at other places. Okay, what went wrong with the bottle shop? Because it, it was fantastic. I remember walking in Oh, we loved wow, it. This is the bottle shop that I want to shop in. We, we just didn't know enough about, about business, to be honest. Um, so, or retail. Or, or retail. So retail liquor is a high-volume, low-margin game. And we had low-margin and low-volume. 
So you can't do both. You can, if, if we were high volume and low margin, that'd be fine. If we were high margin and low volume, that'd be fine. But you can't be low volume and low margin. And that's where we came unstuck. It, we was, probably it was a great business if you were an owner-operator. We expected, obviously, it to contribute some level of profit to, the, to, the, to our growing business group. But um, it, it didn't do that to the extent that uh, we hoped. And arguably, like, again, I'd... We just never a- quite got the volume. It just yeah. was, there was too much other competition around. But that's a, so that's one mistake. But there's plenty of them. In Gab's point of view... We've got time. <laughs> in the, Ga- the Gab's point of view, we probably, we, we probably spent a heap of money on things that we didn't need to spend money on. And only after the first year when we kind of really reevaluated, did we kind of realise that we needed to really cut back and be brutal with our budget and only spend money on things that really mattered. Um, so that was a massive mistake that almost brought us undone completely. But we, we got pretty close. But we were lucky enough that we had a really robust business that can could su- sort of sustain um, the, the losses and, and, and bounce back and from that. And a nice bank manager. And, and an understanding I, bank manager. I, I think we make, as we get older, we make fewer mistakes. Like, uh, Is that because you're less... Risky? No, I think uh, I don't think we're less risky. I think we're I think just a little bit smarter. more. We're, we've learnt from our mistakes of the past. That, that's so the I, most dangerous thing I've ever heard you say. We're not <laughs> we're not that much smarter. We we're, we're still likely to make a mistake. It's just around I, the yeah. corner. <laughs> well, absolutely mistakes, but I don't think we'll mistake. Yeah, well, I think we're a bit more kind of calculated learn. with our mistakes, uh, with our risks. We kind of go, what are the consequences of not achieving what we think we're going to achieve, and going, can we sustain that? Because now we've known that sometimes we miss so we kind of go well if we do miss is that okay and if if the answer is yes then it's a risk worth taking 10 years on how hard is it to keep innovating because this place was groundbreaking when you opened how hard is it to keep be groundbreaking or keep innovating and is that important for us it is if for me speaking for myself uh, it's uh, i enjoy innovating i enjoy being relevant um, I think that you've got to get the fundamentals right in whatever you're doing. And I've really learnt to, to focus on what we can control, not what we can't control. And um, because there is so many other people doing great stuff out there, we're really proud of what we do. But if you, if you spend too much time focusing on what other people are doing well, A, you can get depressed and not recognise what you're actually doing is quite good already. Yeah, I'd I'd add to that. I'd say that, um, you know, so Steve's got a million different ideas coming out of his head all the time, and um, half of it is about saying, you know, like sometimes you kind of... We've known each other for long enough now that we go, well, hold on a minute. Like, like he really fights for his ideas, and and he's really persuasive. So I've learned to kind of roll with some of them and go... That those are great, and then other ones just, you know, you got to you got to pull away from because, you, you, like the beauty. Of, so sometimes there's ten steps to make something happen, and Steve kind of goes to step nine and ten, without realizing that step six, seven, and eight are actually impossible. And sometimes that's the beauty of it because he doesn't even notice that they're impossible. So and you're then, the guy and that, that makes six, seven, and eight work. Or? Well, either you make them work, or you kind of go, well, actually they're never going to work and and um and and i think that's where we kind of complement one another and justin as well um is that we can kind of uh temper temper all of that and and actually kind of execute and uh we've got better at kind of listening 
to each other and, and understanding where each other's strengths are. And, and when you're onto something, you go, yep, that's, that's a good one. And, and when you're not being able to say, no, okay, fair enough, maybe that was a crazy idea and maybe we shouldn't do it. I don't, think you, I don't think anyone in this business or any business can do great things without being bold. Like, oh my, like what Bolter have done and what Stone and Wood have done, like Farrell have done. Like they're all amazing. We, we call them our friends and it's quite amazing what they've achieved and, and we, um, we admire them so much for what they do. And, and part of their success is that they've been really strong and bold and clever and taken risks. And, and when we just, that's part of who our DNA as well. And uh, it, would, it just wouldn't, it would be an antithesis of what we're about to, to sit back and just have a venue or ever it just it'd be boring for us so what's next you've got the tap house you've got gabs you've got hottest 100 um you've got stomping ground what's next for for you guys do you keep doing more of the same or you know improving what you're doing or is there something new on the horizon oh listen i think stomping ground gives us enormous latitude to to do all the things that we hope to do or to uh, to provide a, a landscape where we can take risks and try new things. Um, uh, Gabs, obviously, there's more cities that we hope to. We're exploring uh, taking that Any concept. Any that we can to. tease? Not yet, but we're, we're like it's been no secret for some time that we'd love to go to Brisbane. Um, so we hope to be able to announce something soon enough. Um, and Perth also, is on our radar. Perth's as well, on the radar, us. and would even to take the idea overseas. I know there are thousands of beer festivals overseas, but I think there's something about Gabs and our point of difference with the festival beers that I think that it could potentially translate to other markets. So that's that, that's Gabs, and as long as Craig's uh, supporting us, you know the, the world is uh, our oyster. He's he's just fantastic. With regards to the tap house, well, obviously that's just that's just an institution. I'd like to think, and and and. Uh, but stomping ground is where our focus and energies uh, mostly reside every day. Um, there's so it just allows us the perfect opportunity to try new products. New, obviously, we get the day-to-day interaction with our customer base at the beer halls. At the beer hall, we'd hope to open another beer hall or two. That's something that we really enjoy. Is having, in the case of Collingwood and our stomping ground beer hall there, you know, I think we get three or four thousand people a week through those that door. And that's a really rich vein of opportunity to to get people onto our brand, and that's really un- underpinned the success that guys had in the sales division to be able to to build our brand. Because if we didn't have the uh, listen, I think you know as well as anyone that these days, if you're starting a brewery, if you don't have some direct market brand experience, is uh, you're you're at a disadvantage. And you're seeing that with Stone and Wood opening a venue up there, and. And I think others are surely going to come into that space as well. So we kind of got in earlier. Uh, we, we saw an opportunity there. But um, ultimately, we just want to have fun. And I'll tell you what, we're having so much fun right now. It's hard work and we've got a lot on our plate. But that's just, it's just the way we're wired. Someone said to me, one of our staff members said, my God, you've always got so much on and it's always like last minute. And somehow we managed to pull it together. But that's what we, I've done here, for, we've done for 10 years it's just the way we're wired. But yeah, so we've got, we've got a pop-up coming up at the airport, which, which is our second um, uh, summer pop-up at the airport. We've got an activation happening at the Arts Centre in Melbourne, which is quintessentially Melbourne and really aligned with what we're all about, which is celebrating Mel- Melbourne's culture. So that's coming up as well. We've got um, a whole swag of events, um, stomping ground related events that, that, are, that are coming up. As Steve mentioned, we've got a... Um, our, our, we're kind of pretty keen on, on opening another beer hall, um, which really helps to 
um, uh, us to engage and, and create an experience. And um, increase the pie. Like, you know, you talk, we talk about it off, off, off mic quite a bit, is that these opportunities present us. The, the secret to how we grow, how we collectively grow the, the pie is through these sort of experiences by increasing the pie. If we all just sit back and just play in our bubble, fuck, we're not going to get anywhere. And that's what we love about what we do is, as we said earlier, is that to just let's, let's introduce great beer to new people. And we, that's what we get up in the morning to do. Well, look, we could keep chatting for hours and hours and hours, but it's, it's getting... We're seven beers in, Matt. We're six <laughs> beers in, I think. We're seven beers and three episodes <laughs> in. So, uh, <laughs> Steve Jeffers, Guy Greenstone, thank you very much for 10 years of great beers and thank you very much for three episodes of Great Conversation. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thanks, it's, Matt. It's, uh, it's always awesome chatting to you, mate. You guys rock. And that was Steve Jeffers and Guy Greenstone. I'd like to really thank them both for their time and their candor during the conversation. We have these conversations to reflect the sorts of conversations to go on in the beer world when there's no microphones on. And it really relies on the trust and the honesty of the interviewees or the conversationees to make it a successful and engaging conversation. And that's something that Steve and Guy did. I really hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. And also, congratulations to them both for all they've achieved over the last 10 years. Haven't we all come a long way during that time? Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at bruisenews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. And we look forward to another conversation next week.